Hi friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional, turned career coach, Forbes blogger, speaker, and now author of my own career book that has just released for pre-order on Amazon. You can probably guess the name as it's also called U-Turn, spelled Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. This book is all about getting unstuck, discovering your direction, and designing your dream career. I created the U-Turn Podcast and wrote the U-Turn book with this goal of helping you reconnect to who you truly are and upgrading your confidence in work and in love. So if you're looking to get even more clarity beyond the podcast and even the book on where you belong in the workforce or you want to make a career pivot or just explore your purpose overall, we have a brand new free quiz to help you out with that. Just head on over to ashleystahl.com if you want to take it. It's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com for the free quiz. Also, I'm really excited to finally let you know that this episode has been brought to you by Organifi. I have fallen so in love with their smoothie protein, their chocolate, their vanilla, and also their green juice drink. I have both of these products every single day. And after years of declining and dodging sponsorship, because I didn't want to feel sticky promoting something to you, I decided that their products were so good, so transformative for my health and my morning routine that I reached out to them and asked if they wanted to sponsor the U-Turn show. So if you are inspired to upgrade your health during these uncertain times and you want products to add into your routine throughout the day, I just can't recommend them enough. I was able to get you a discount code for 15% off when you check out. All you gotta do is head on over to Organifi.com backslash U-Turn. It's spelled Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com backslash Y-O-U, T-U-R-N. Make sure you enter the code U-Turn at checkout on their website. And now let's dive in to this week's episode. Compatibility means that we know how to dance with our differences, that we know how to remember why we were attracted to this person in the first place. And if we think back to the attraction, a lot of it goes back to the personality differences. And so what that means is a lot of the attraction in, in marriage and how to keep that strong, healthy, you know, sexual vibe going is a lot of it is, is really knowing how to work with our differences. on U-Turners. I've got such an incredible treat for you today, and it's Hannah Levitan. She is a marriage and dating expert. She's also the author of two incredible books, That's Why I Married You, and I Only Want to Get Married Once. I know by the end of this, you're definitely going to be hitting up Amazon, trying to find these books wherever you can, because she is really good at what she does. And that's why I wanted to talk to her in this love category about personality differences. I know with my partner, For example, he takes his time to make a decision. I take five seconds to make one. There's so many personality differences we face, and that's why I think Hannah is going to be an incredible conversation for you to reflect on that. Um, Thank you so much for being here on the show. Hey, Ashley. It's great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. You know, I'm so excited. I just got your books in the mail, and I started reading, and I just know that 
so many people have so much heartache and so much happiness with love. Like, what is it that got you to focus on it and commit to a path supporting people around love? Well, you know, I, I grew up watching my parents struggle with, with their marriage and they were on the second marriage, each one of them. And I was always, you know, I thought, you know, there's got to be some better way to do this. And it was always a quest of mine to, to figure it out. And, uh, you know, having watched, you know, growing up, a lot of people not figuring at marriage out and then just a few people who did, I got you know, very inspired by the people who did and uh, really said, hey, I'm going to figure it out. And if I can figure it out, then I can help other people as well. So, you know, it became a bit of a, a quest like that, you know, just first of all for myself to really build a strong, beautiful, loving marriage. And I could say, you know, thank God, 31 years into my marriage, it's uh, it's wonderful and, and getting better. Wow. Okay. So I feel like a lot of people, you know, they find love, whether they're listening to this and they have a partner or not. And, you know, that novelty wears off and maybe they're having less sex or they um, are going to bed at night and they're afraid something is wrong with the relationship or they made the wrong choice. Like, what are some things that you find in the in the research you've done, the people you've worked with, they're kind of universal and more to be expected versus a feared? Well, you know. First of all, every single couple is going to go through challenges. It's just it's part of what we need to do in order to, to create and build true love. Mm. So, you know, I was listening to John Kabat-Zinn, you know, who is just this, this worldly, mindful, this master. And, you know, he's just he's got so much together. You know, he's he's a guru of, of mindfulness and centering. And it was interesting to hear him. Someone had asked him about close relationships. And um, he said, yep, as soon as we get into that closest relationship, all of our wisdom and our brilliance and our centeredness, our mindfulness go right, go right out the window because we get challenged and our younger self really starts to, to emerge. So I think we could all feel really, really at home here and normalizing the fact that we are all, when we get close to another person, there are going to be struggles because we're not perfect and they're not perfect. And the most wonderful thing in this world and the most challenging thing in this world is intimate relationship and ultimately having a life partner. Mm. So first of all, I just want to normalize that. And uh, you know, when, when, when we do find the right one and then we get married and we're just like oh finally and then we start to see the differences and we start to to struggle and that again as you said that that excitement starts to change there's something better waiting for us Uh and and that's what we're talking about here Mm, okay so i think that piece right there is what people tend to be afraid of is like they're going to bed at night and they think that because novelty is wearing off or they're not feeling as sexual or they're not as attracted to their partner or they suddenly are seeing all these differences. They think, oh shit, you know, like I, I, I might've picked the wrong person. What are some personality differences that we can kind of take a look at that you think are just so common, for example, that um, really are, are not reasons for people to necessarily be afraid or go into panic mode? 
Okay. So actually, I'm so fascinated by this subject about personality differences that I launched a, a research project and interviewed couples in eight different countries and 400, surveyed 400 people, married people in the States. And you know, I, said, I wanted to get to the bottom of this. Like, this is really strange. You know, we, we, when we're dating, we're looking for similar values. And yeah, that's for sure it has to, you know, that's really what we should be looking for. And anyone who's single listening to this, yes, you're looking for similar values, very important. But no matter how similar we are in terms of, let's say we have values and then we're going to share a couple of personality traits, we are going to find differences because no two people are the same. Mm -hmm. And if we met somebody who was exactly like us, we would not even be attracted. So we, this phenomenon of being attracted to someone who is different from ourselves, and then we get married and we realize, wait a minute, I didn't realize how different we are. This is global. And the, the differences that I found in interviewing couples, uh, there are 10 common differences. For example, spender saver, mm-hmm. organized, not organized, <laughs> inter- introvert extrovert and and uh as you mentioned uh, you know hesitant uh very decisive mm-hmm. the faster and the slower is really common obviously the intellectual the emotional is big big common attractor we have the very giving and the more boundary mm-hmm. right and then there's the optimist who seems to be attracted to the pessimist who actually calls him or herself the realist <laughs> right you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, no one ever, you know, and, you know, the days that I was really trying to help people get married by matchmaking, I, I, I had a little time in my life where I was able to do that. It was really fun. How crazy. You know, How I, cool. Yeah. And, and someone, you know, I, I always say that no one ever came to me and said, I'm looking for a pessimist. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? Because sometimes people like, I'm like, you must have been, you <laughs> know. Yeah, right. But but you see, when we look at personalities, we all have strengths, we'll say gifts that, that come with challenges, right? Every single positive trait comes with a challenge, like very giving comes with the difficulty of saying no. Mm-hmm very organized and efficient comes with the challenge of, of impatience. Like, come on, get it together. So, so when we talk, you know, when we talk about um, the, the pessimist, so the positive side of the pessimist is grounded. Mm. Right? Yeah. And, and those of us who are optimists like myself, I don't know about you, Ashley, but I'm a big optimist. I'm a dreamer and my head could be up in the clouds a lot of the time. <laughs> And I give so much credit to my husband, you know, for, for grounding me. And he just, he is my grounding. And I, and I really give him a lot of credit for a lot of things I've been able to do in life because mm. it's just that grounding that has been so wonderful, but also challenging because yeah. sometimes I just want to say, you know, come on, fly, come on, get off the ground. Totally. Let's go. Yeah. And he's just grounded, you know. Yeah. So, there, there, but there's a pessimism also that comes with that groundedness, yeah. seeing the full, you know, the whole thing. And again, when we see our personality differences, and we, you know, I, I just listed, you know, a whole bunch of them. Many couples have all ten of those differences, and they are happily married. Mm, okay. Well, I think I, I know I have a lot of note takers here, so I wrote them down, but I think I missed a couple of them. And, you know, and this comes from your That's Why I Married You book, right? 
Yes, at least correct. 10. Okay, so for anybody who wants to go deeper on it, but what I wrote down was spender, saver, organized, not organized, introvert, extrovert, decisive, indecisive, faster, slower, intellectual, emotional, giving, boundaried, optimist, realist. Um, yes. What are the two that I might have been missing? Okay, so let me just grab a copy of my phone. <laughs> I don't blame you. I was actually just thinking I would totally have to do that too. You have you have okay. so many yeah, key on. distinctions. Okay, so the two that we left out. Okay, so there's two more: mm-hmm. doer and beer. Mm. Yeah, that's a really common one, mm-hmm. and more affectionate and less affectionate. Oh, so good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's rare that a couple have the same exact affectionate levels. It's mm. interesting. It's it's a fascinating thing. Mm. Okay. And I know that um what would you say, you know, like the optimist versus the realist? You you dug into that one a little bit. Of these, which one do you see creating the most uh tension in couples? <laughs> That's a great question. You know, it's not any one of them. It's it's just how we view the difference that creates mm-hmm. attention or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because you see, there's a young part of us, Ashley, that, you know, when, when we were kids, let's think about it, four years old, five years old, right? So, so who was our best friend? It was the one, oh, we have this, we like the same color, we're wearing yeah. the same shirt, right? Yeah. Uh, right. So, so what we're so as because kids cannot negotiate differences they don't know how to do that mm. so they're kids they're they don't have the maturity they don't know how to be close to someone who's different from them mm. so one of the signs of mature love is learning to be close to someone who thinks differently and feels differently mm. and to the point sometimes that we can't even believe it's like did my partner just say that mm. like does he really think that way and and then we you know mature love is learning how to feel close to this person who who yes who might think differently and feel differently about certain things again because we're not going to find our uh you know our copy right? our clone and again, Again, if we did find our clone, we wouldn't be attracted to them. Mm. So, so we have to get over this childish kind of, you know, there's this, this myth that compatibility means that we're the same. Mm-hmm. No, compatibility means that we know how to dance with our differences. That we know how to remember why we were attracted to this person in the first place. And if we think back to the attraction, a lot of it, goes back to the personality differences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what that means is a lot of the attraction in, in marriage and how to keep that, you know, that strong, healthy, you know, sexual vibe going is a lot of it is, is really knowing how to work with our differences. It's interesting that you're saying this because I think about some couples where they become more the same as they're together mm. together and then there's the ones that become more different like what's going on with uh, those couples where like suddenly they both like the same everything like the same restaurant <laughs> the same plans over the weekend like is is mm. that what would you say is going on there that's interesting <laughs> You know, we could launch into a 2 hour discussion about uh differentiation. That's a deep deep question. 
Mm-hmm. We could launch into a two-hour discussion about the balance of togetherness and differentiation, which is a big, big part of, of mature love. Mm-hmm. And every couple is going to figure out their own balance here. So when we live with somebody and we spend so much time together, we will adapt some of their thoughts. We're going to adopt some of their ideas. We're going to we, – couples do – really learn from one another and um, absorb things from one another. And, and, and I think that's, that's true with, with almost every couple. Mm. This doesn't mean that we start having the same opinion about everything. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I once saw a, a video about this couple who were just, they, they actually got this matching outfits and they would do the, the same exact things the same yeah. way. And it was just the weirdest thing I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, it is really out there. Like, what has it? <laughs> you know, do you know, and I have to admit, though, like, like, there are some changes that, um, that are really beautiful. Like, for example, with my partner, William, we are, when I listen to your list of 10, I'm like, are we the opposite on all of these? It's actually insane. <laughs> I was listening, but, but um, we have some really big things in common at the same time. And... It's interesting because like I'm I'm getting a lot of joy. We moved in together. We're talking about getting married. And I get a lot of joy out of the little zones that we actually found out we are the same, but it was kind of co-created through the relationship. Meaning mm-hmm. like we have a new favorite restaurant together, or we have a new favorite like playlist together, or we, we have a couple shows that we love together. But on the most part, like he likes different music than me. He likes different things to do on the weekend than me. So like what, where is there like a healthy sweet spot and where do you start to get concerned of like, Hey, you guys have lost yourselves and you actually don't have the same interests. <laughs> so again, it's, it's not like, um, I could give you the exact formula because every couple needs to find this out for themselves. I think the example I just gave where this couple's wearing the same thing and they're doing the same thing. And there's yeah. this, this, this myth that if we are close, we have to think the same and feel the same. So that is clearly unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the ability to feel close to someone and experience our differences is is a deep love muscle that everyone has to build and build it in their own way. And each one of us are coming in with our own challenges and etc. So I think that what's important is to understand the idea first mm-hmm. that that togetherness and being similar is, is, is nice. It's part of a relationship, but a big part of the relationship is learning how to dance with our differences and not needing that other person to think and feel the same way, mm. not needing to change the person to think and feel like we do. And every single one of us, when we, when we, you know, get into a serious relationship, mm-hmm. once a certain amount of time passes, we want to change the person to think the same way that we do. Yeah, we just, totally. It's a natural thing. Yeah. It's a natural thing. So the again, the maturity is learning how to realize this is not going to work. Well, so that's that's a question that I would have for you then, Hannah, is like, okay, let's take somebody who's very decisive like me and more indecisive. It, I think I could foresee this kind of person, the very decisive one, feeling held back by the indecisive one and vice versa. I'm guessing the indecisive person is like, give me some time, man. Like I need a second. Stop asking me for answers. You know what I mean? Or, okay. or stop, you know, or you're so decisive. I never even get to choose what I want because you've already chosen all the things. Um, at what point do you think these differences are stifling 
like freedom. Like, so for example, I'm speaking from experience, like I'm a, I'm a feeler and I'm very decisive. So if it feels good, it's usually a yes for me. Every now and again, I make a misstep and I regret it. And I have to clean up a whole mess that I made in aisle five, you know, like with my life. Um, my partner, you know, he could be read as indecisive, but he just takes his time making decisions. And I think a lot of couples go through this dynamic. And I think it's very easy for me to feel like, don't, you're taking away my freedom. I'm, my life is in motion all the time because I'm so decisive that things are always moving. And now you're like a roadblock. That's how my wounded self who doesn't want to accept his process can look. Um, and he and I have worked through a lot of that, but I'm curious, like, what's your take on that for a lot of people who are listening right now, maybe thinking like, man, this guy's like slowing me down or this woman is slowing me down or whatever have you when it comes to decision-making. Okay. So, you know, I, I want to differentiate between dating couples and people who are really committed to spending their lives together. Oh, love that. Because, you know, when we're dating, um, if we feel that somebody is really infringing on our freedom and like our personality is getting, you know, drowned out, that's, that's, a, that's a red flag. Yeah. You know, and we should, you know, dating, that's like, whoa, what's going on here? Mm. That should not be happening when we're dating. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, once a couple is married, or if you want to give your example where, you know, you are moving towards marriage. Okay. So that is when we have to look at the reality of a relationship, which is when we choose to be with somebody, we're going to have to work with their personality and our personality. And it is going to be a little bit infringing. Okay. So we have to, again, I'm I'm differentiating between getting swallowed up, not having a voice versus, hmm, we've got this personality difference and how are we going to negotiate it? And how am I going to express myself and my needs? And how am I going to listen to him or, you know, her and her needs? How are we going to hear the other person it's sort of like uh binoculars you know in a healthy relationship we have binoculars where we see our thoughts and our side and we can see their side and that's that is what we're shooting for that's what we're aiming for to be able to hold our perspective and their perspective mm-hmm. so if our personality is such that we tend to lose ourselves in relationships mm-hmm. then we have to develop our boundaries so that doesn't happen a lot of people don't know where they, their boundaries even are, you know, like in their self-discovery yeah. process, they're like, who am I? I've never had boundaries. Mm-hmm. I've always abided right. by what other people think. So I can get that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially women, you know, we, we're, we, we like people to like us yeah. and we like, it's normal. It's natural for a woman to, to, to feel that way. At the same time, we have to take time out to figure out who am I? What do I think? What do I believe? And to really hear our own voice mm-hmm. and, 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 and know what, what our voice is. Mm-hmm. So when we're dating, if we find ourselves getting swallowed up by the other person, mm-hmm. well, that means that we've got to take a bit of a break and work on our boundaries and then choose somebody who respects our boundaries and then learn how to be our own person in the relationship. Mm. And it's a really hard thought because I think you mentioned the concept of red flags 
And I can find it to be so challenging to navigate. When is this simply a difference we need to navigate and have some endurance in the relationship to look at? And when is this a red flag that this is not going to work and it's not negotiable and two people need to really actually consider walking away? Like, are there any issues you've seen across the board where you're like, that is not workable? Hmm. Well, okay. If, if First of all, if people, let's divide between dating and, and marriage. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if people are dating and they're feeling like the person can't hear them, uh, they're, they're bulldozing over them, uh, that's, that's serious business. Mm. Now I've seen situations, let's say the girl, the woman's dating and the guy's like just very strong minded and she's attracted to that kind of a guy. So if he can hear her and, and she's able to have that voice and say, Hey, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm not being heard. And he's able to, to say, wait a minute, this, I've, I've heard this comment about myself in the past. Let's, let's work on it. Okay. They, they can really work on it. Mm-hmm. But if he's, headstrong then he's so sure that he's right and he's just that's his comfort zone is bulldozing over somebody else that's a serious red flag Mm, that's really helpful and what about um sex like i know so many friends who go to bed at night with so much anxiety because they lose desire for their partner or the partner lost desire for them or they never had the same level of desire or sexual interest in the first place like where do you kind of like flag it with sex and say, ooh, that's something that might not be workable? Again, I'm going to differentiate between dating. I was going to say, let me yeah, guess. Marriage. Yeah, are you going to differentiate it? Yeah, perfect. I, you have to because, yeah. um, you know, if people are dating and that spark and that something's not working with the sexuality, it's like... It's, it's a very, very serious thing because it's still, you know, it's a young relationship and that's when their relationship should be good, mm-hmm. you know, the, the sexual part. Mm-hmm. Um, and when again, when people get married and they're in the relationship and they know that the back door is, is shut, so then they have to learn a different way of looking at their their sexual relationship. It's... Mm. it's you know, it's it's got to go deeper in in the emotional sense mm-hmm. rather than just you know, there's a, sexuality has a body and a soul. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it does, mm-hmm. and the the body of sex is just physical, and you know, like any anybody could just do that. Yeah, and the soul of sex is something that when people are in a committed relationship and they're not going anywhere and it's like, Hey, it's me and you and we're in it for good. And that is when true intimacy, true intimacy can develop on an emotional level. True safety can develop on an emotional level. And that is when sex can really take a whole different level of, of soul. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I always say, Ashley, you know, if, if, um, if people are, if someone's looking for an apartment just for one day, Right. Mm-hmm. And the landlord also wants just a one day lease. Mm-hmm. Are they going to invest in that apartment? Mm. No way. Why would they? If, if it's for a year, they might invest a bit, but not like if they buy the apartment. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
So that's why, you know, the difference of differentiating between dating versus marriage, because it's like once you're in that committed relationship, and the door is shut. That is when you can go so deep in the trust and the, you know, in the soul of sexuality. Mm. Okay. So it's not, you know, like just the, the body of sexuality can become boring, you know, in, in any relationship because it's just like, come on, you know, like how many, you know, yeah. how many. It, it, it's a point where it's just okay it's the same old physical thing well that's what i also want to ask is like there's some couples that like one partner is going to want an extraordinary amount of variety and the other one might not and one isn't satisfied like is there a red flag in that or is it simply that the other person is blocked and not willing to explore with their partner like what is your uh take on that kind of a dynamic because i hear about that quite often yeah. Again, I'm differentiating between dating and, and marriage. If, if a couple are dating and they have major differences in this area, it's a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't get into a marriage with all of these differences being in the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's got to be enough of a togetherness and a connectedness beforehand. Well, okay. and, and, and people are still different, right? Like they're not perfect and they still might be great for marriage. So like, where is that? And I know this is a really big question we probably can't answer, but like to support anybody listening who the sex is maybe good, but you know, that maybe they have some preferences that the other person's just not down for. Where's that line of like, oh, let's cultivate this or let's make this workable. Cause I do see my life with this person for so many reasons. <laughs> So again, it comes down to what is the, where can I stretch myself and feel still, I'm still me. I'm Uh, still okay with my standards and what is outside of my standards that were outside of my comfort zone that is me. mm -hmm. And that's, that's not going to work. Okay. And yeah. Yeah. Again, if people, if people already married, then that's where sex therapy comes in. That's where, you know, really, really exploring things together. It's a very, you know, it's very different before marriage and after the whole, any kind of, of working through differences is, it's, it's a whole different world. I can, I can believe it. And I also can't help but reflect right now on um, some couples I know that are not happily married. So one, for example, you have a giver and a taker, for example. Um, do you have any insight on how someone in a relationship who is such a giver can navigate being with somebody that feels, you said boundaried was the word that you use. I'm just going to go for the jugular and say it's a taker. Um, what's your take on on being a giver versus a taker? And how do you make the rela- relationship healthy, both in dating and in marriage? Okay, great, great question. Uh, well, I differentiate when in, in the differences, the 10 differences that I listed earlier, when I said giver versus boundary, I am saying boundary, not taker. There is a difference because there are many, many people who are more boundary, but it doesn't mean they're takers. Mm. Right? It's, they're not as generous. They're not always thinking about how they can give and give and give. Okay. That's a big difference between someone who's really a taker. Mm. Okay. Now, you'll notice that in most relationships, one side does more of the giving, Mm. 60% more, 65% more, 55% more, maybe even 70%. Mm -hmm. If someone is in a dating relationship and they find that they're doing 
90, 80%, 90%, 100% of the giving, bad news. Yeah. Over bad news. That other person is, is taking uh, bad news. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, when people are married and they feel like their spouse is taking, then I always say, well, first take a look at where you might be taking more than you think you are. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and where is the person maybe giving more than you think? Mm-hmm. Because what happens in a married relationship is we sort of just you know take each other for granted and stop appreciating the things that our spouse is doing. Mm-hmm. But if people are dating and and they're really able to say, wait a minute, I, I really like I am doing almost all the giving. This person is a taker. Uh, it's a problem. You know, mm-hmm. It's a problem to, to move forward in that relationship. Again, you want to try to negotiate. Hey, what's going on? And and sometimes you know, premarital counseling is, is great. But um, if a person is just ultimately not interested in giving uh, or they're not interested in learning how to be more of a giver, it's a red flag. So this seems to be the solution that you continue to share is that that question you said of where can I stretch myself and still be myself? I really love Mm -hmm. that because it's like, can you stretch yourself? And is the other person receptive? That's what I keep hearing from you. Is the other person receptive to reflecting and implementing a different way of being or a more collaborative way of being? This also gets me thinking a little bit about people's pace and that distinction you gave about people who move really fast and people who move really slow. Um, I was in a relationship that I just thought he was so slow. I lost respect for him, which I hate to admit this on my own podcast, but I'm, (laughs) I'm such a mover and we ended up ending our relationship. And it was, this was probably, I've never even reflected at it through this lens of fast versus slow. I, I, in theory understood that, but yeah, it was like, I always felt like my life was on on slow-mo because he always just, was on his own little pace. And it was everything from how long it would take to leave the house for something down to like getting things done for our, you know, whatever. Um, What feedback do you have for that like fast paced New Yorker vibe versus that slow paced like Santa Cruz, California, easy living, you know, because to me, somebody's pace, the way they live, like, aren't you kind of asking them to give up a part of themselves to be like, hey, speed up, you know? (laughs) <laughs> oh, so good. I, I just keep thinking about this Indian couple who I interviewed. Oh, amazing. Uh, Do tell. Adorable couple. And they're, you know, they're together for 24 years now. But, you know, when he when he met her, he fell in love. He was so attracted to her serenity and something about her. And she didn't like him. For two years, he was trying to get out, you know, go, go out with her and ask her out. And no, no, no. She wasn't interested and because she was annoyed by his very uh, super overly outgoing in her opinion kind of personality and then they graduated college she went up to north india he was in south india and he did not give up and every single day he wrote her a letter and oh my he gosh. didn't give up and he so was she's like come on give us a chance i really see this can work and and she really started to see how deep he was through the letters and eventually they got together they got married and, you know, Ashley, you'd think he'd be the happiest guy in the world uh, after he got his gal, right? Yeah. But he was really, really getting frustrated. And I said, well, you know, what was what was it? And he says, you know, I 
I, I didn't realize how different we were. And I said, what was the difference? He says, I'm very fast paced and she's slow and steady, yeah. slow and steady. And uh, it really drove him crazy. Mm. And you know, what I love this, about the story is that, that he was so sure that she was the one and he worked so hard to make this work. And still, when he was looking at the personality difference, it was getting in his way. And I said, well, what, what was it that turned, you know, how did things work out? He says, it only turned around when I started to see, to see the strength in her slowness. I said, oh, I love that. You know, mm -hmm. what do you mean? He says, well, I'm very fast-paced and impetuous. She's slow and steady. Mm -hmm. and, I, I, and I started to see after a while there's a strength there. You know, I keep getting myself into messes and she yeah. saves me every single time. You know, yeah. and she's, I'm getting all worked up and she's just sitting there calm. And I, after a while, I was like, well, how does she do that? Mm -hmm. So what, what I'm saying is the, the you know, hidden within these differences is, is a gift. And when we're dating, if it's not working, the difference is like, you're giving an example of, of, of a guy you were dating and it was driving up the wall. Okay. Because every single difference doesn't work. Yeah. Right? There has to be enough similarities. Mm -hmm. And then the differences are something that, you know, add, Dimension. you know, a, an excitement or, or a team, you yeah. know, a team effort. You know, when you have someone who's super fast and super slow in a relationship, the more intellectual, the more uh, emotional, like, you know, the doer and the beer, that makes for a fantastic team, right? And if you had a business and you could only hire one person, of course, you know, would you hire someone who could do exactly what you could do? No, or definitely not. Something that you, right. So, so that's why innately we are attracted to somebody who is different from ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we always have to keep that team kind of idea, you know, in, in mind. Mm -hmm. uh, when we're dating, what happens when, <laughs> what, what happens when we're dating is that when the there's enough of a similarity in personality and in values, we tend to not pay attention to the personality differences. Mm -hmm. So it's only after marriage that they become more apparent. Mm. Okay, so that's why I'm saying when we're dating, if the personality differences are coming up and they're really getting in the way, then it's a problem. Well, so this is something I'm curious about is like, is there a time frame like scientifically that you think is really helpful for people to be in that dating phase to better understand, be exposed to or navigate those personality differences that they might see? I, you know, I can't say that that there is a total answer to that because you know, when, if we if we were going to just go by logic, mm. you know, couples who live together first would have the best chances for for lasting marriage, and we don't find that that's that that that's true. Yeah. Okay. It's so it's it's not like okay, let's you know, live together for ten years and then we know we got it. You know, I know I, yeah. I was reading an article about this couple for they're living together for twenty one years. Okay, mm -hmm. they were and then they got married. I don't know why they decided all of a sudden, but then they they didn't last more than two or three years. Wow, that's fascinating. What was it that broke the camel's back? Do you know? I, you know, they were talking about how, you know, when you, when you're living together, you still have the back door open and you're not totally think you're committed, but it's not, you're not totally in, you yeah. know, and, and like the, statistically in the States also, the divorce rate is around, you know, 49 to 55%, 60% in certain States, but, you know, living together, couples who are cohabiting have a 60 to 70% breakup rate, which mm. makes sense, mm -hmm. you know? So... You know, when it comes down to um, 
to how long, you know, I, I think a couple should date at least a year, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like at least a year, it depends how much time they're spending together. Mm-hmm. I think that if there's a very strong emphasis on, on the sexual aspect of the relationship, they should date longer than a year or two years, three years. Meaning if there's a lot of passion or not a lot of passion or either. If, there's a lot of passion and they're spending a lot of time, you know, fooling around and not having a lot of deep conversations. conversations. You know, my you know? mom, literally, Hannah, last night, my mom texted me. She's like, I am so addicted to this new show on Netflix called Too Hot to Handle. It was ridiculous. I don't know if you've heard of it. She's like, they need to, it's like forcing all of these models to like get to know each other. And if they kiss each other or they touch or they have sex, they need to pay money and they don't win the game or something. I was like, I can't believe this is real life but it is what you're saying is like there's this show that's literally trying to repel people from getting distracted while physicality is a part of compatibility and i'm curious like you'd you talked a little bit about this guy who was pursuing this woman for all of these years um and i know that a lot of relationships have a dynamic where there's somebody who's always like a little bit more of a pursuer or like maybe you'd say they love the other one a little bit more. Like what's your take on that sort of dynamic where like the husband always loves the wife, like 1% more, you know, whether that's true or not, like it's how it looks or comes across. Um, what's your take on that? Well, you know, I think if, again, people are, are different. Affectionate levels are different. The way people express affection is different. Sometimes it looks like one person is, loves a person more, but they're just more affectionate. Ah. And um, I have a lot of dating couples where, you know, she's like, listen, he's like, he, he's, he's too much sometimes. He keeps telling me, I love you, 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 I can't. And, uh, and yet she's still, you know, she, she likes the affection because she's, she, she has a hard time with expressing the affection and the fact that he's more like that helps her to come out of herself more. And, um, and he's okay with, you know, with this, this dynamic. Now, does it mean that he really likes her more? It, 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 it might look that way, but it's just like some people are more comfortable with expressing affection, showing affection, and some people, uh, their personality is is less that way, or they grew up in a home where there was less of a display of affection. Yeah. So um, again, as long as it's not a situation where somebody really feels that they're not that into the person and the, the other person they're dating is like crazy about them and then they go get married because some, people have told me they were divorced. Well, I just, I just, I, I felt, you know, he liked me so much. Like mm-hmm. I just felt like really flattered and mm-hmm. no, no, you <laughs> never ever to, to get hitched with someone just because of the way they feel about us. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, uh, we gotta be careful. Hey, U-Turners. So sorry for the quick interruption, but if you're anything like me working from home, this quarantine has got you craving some structure and I have gotten so much out of committing to a morning routine. And for me, that's looked like burning some Palo Santo every morning, sipping some coffee while I'm journaling, and of course, making my daily protein shake with Organifi's vanilla protein powder. I just put a scoop of their vanilla protein, frozen organic strawberries, half a frozen banana, and coconut milk into the blender, and boom, 
That little candy addicted five-year-old living inside of me gets so happy feeling like she started her workday with what tastes like a vanilla milkshake with strawberries in it. So if you follow me on the gram, you know that even when I try to eat healthy, I tend to have little snacksidents and that's why I am so grateful that Organifi is now sponsoring the U-Turn podcast. It is such a milestone for us to have them supporting the show and I'm pretty sure that without their super healthy protein powder, I'd be lacking in my morning routine. So if you're looking for some consistency and some structure in your diet. I am really in love with their products, which is why we wanted to get you hooked up with a discount when you go to Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com backslash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N for 15% off. Now let's get back to the episode. That brings me to a question about marriage. I think a lot of people before they walk down the aisle or even before they get engaged, they might think, you know what, I'm with the right person for me. I want to take this leap. But they have a lot of fear around how how serious the commitment is for their life and what they're really choosing to do with this person. So what if somebody's listening right now, maybe they're married, maybe they're not, maybe they experience this fear. What's your take on having a lot of fear around commitment or just around getting engaged or married. How do you look at that when somebody oh, comes to wow. you? We can talk about this one for five hours. I, I have plenty of questions, but just for anybody, and I, I'm guessing already, I'm like, okay, you're, I'm going to have to beg you to come back onto this show because this is so helpful. <laughs> but what's your take just on that? Because I know a lot of people have a lot of anxiety about this level of commitment. They have anxiety about what what to wear tomorrow, let alone who to, who to, you know, it's like marriage is like taking your favorite TV show and it's like, well, do you want to watch it every day forever? <laughs> you know? Um, so I think a lot of people go through fear and doubt with that. Like, what's your message for those people that maybe have a really good partner, but they're feeling that? Okay. Well, let's, let's just normalize the fear right now because... <laughs> You know, there's hardly anyone in the Western world who's going to move forward into marriage and not experience some fear. Yeah. And why'd you say the Western world? Is the Eastern world just like, fuck it, we're going in? Well, it depends where you are. You yeah. Know? I mean, in, in Japan these days, the men not, in general don't want to even get married because they're all too busy in their jobs. That's amazing. <laughs> and, and, they're, and they're bots, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Crazy. Oh, my God. But, um, yeah. But, you know, I'm saying, like, in the, in the, the, the less of the third world countries, there still is a norm of getting married and people don't think about it that much, okay? But in any of the Western countries where it's it's not you don't have to get married it's not necessarily the thing that everyone has to do so it's you know the fear of commitment has become bigger and bigger and you know amongst men and women and i and i think that part of what what's the struggle is is not having seen a good marriage and not really Understanding the beautiful benefit of having, you know, two people spent spent their lives together. It's just, it is so powerful. It's so beautiful. You know, I, I think often that to, to my, that my marriage and, and my husband, how we've, you know, I remember like a few years in 
to my marriage, I was thinking, oh, now I get why we're ma- oh, we're such a great match. Oh, yeah, now it's me, son. And then 10 years in, I'm like, oh, now I really, oh, I got it now. Okay. And then 15 mm-hmm. years, like, wow, now I really, you know, and, and now we, you know, we've passed 30 years. And, you know, we've, we've come through so much together and we've built each other, we've built ourselves. And it's, it's just, it's such a fascinating incredible journey to to travel with 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 another person and and i think that that part of why people are so afraid is because they haven't seen that journey and 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 the the thought of giving up all these other options feels bigger than what they're getting by having the same old tv show and and my answer is that it's just not the same tv show because marriage is dynamic and Mm. the the, the tv show is the same actors and actresses there's a limit to how much they're going to expand their drama but in marriage you know you've got a whole other human being and you know, I oftentimes, you know, I think that when I when I go camping with my husband, we always do five days camping on on a lake, and and uh, it's our favorite time to just spend that that whole five days without anyone around. Yeah, beautiful. And, and I'm so excited about it. Somebody once asked me, one of my students is you know not not married, and she's she's like, well, why are you so excited? I mean, come on, you've married for over thirty years. I mean, <laughs> What like we know everything about each other already? Come on! I said, "What? You know? Do you think that anyone ever knows everything about themselves?" Yeah, and you're just marrying so many versions of that person. Like they're just totally, totally, totally. Yeah, but you know what? It's so human to want novelty, and I feel like people probably see that hot, you know dude or woman or whatever walking by and they think oh that would be fun what's your thought on that for the person who loves their partner but thinks like oh wow like I miss novelty a little bit like is that just human to you or is that something to be worried about I think it's human I think it's human to be attracted to to different people and it's something that we have to you know if if we're going to be committed then we learn how to just you know rein in our vibe yeah and uh just like if we if we're committed to someone we want him to do that for us mm-hmm. so we you know we have to you know listen you know you can't have everything right you have novelty and you got lots of new partners or you've got you know a serious serious thing going yeah and what i find you know people who you know turning 40 or turning 50 and they've already had hundreds and hundreds of partners and then some point it's like hey you know like another body just another body another another time another experience like you know maybe i really missed out on on a real lifelong connection and I always say it's not too late you know you start when you're 40 you start when you're 50 just you know learning how to be in a relationship uh and to to you know when we're in a relationship we face ourselves in such a deep way that the sharpening of oneself is it's one of my favorite parts of being married is just you know my husband is my mirror and I am his mirror and and uh you know you could go out into the world and you know be successful and this and that and and you know at the end of the day who we really are at home is is that's where we want to make sure we're 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 shining yeah yeah we could fool everyone out there but who are we at home you know, and that is what we really, you know, that's, that's, that is the self mastery. 
Yeah, there's so much intimacy. Are and yeah, who we are in the relationship. And that's why I put, you know, John, John Kabat-Zinn, you know, who is such a master of mindfulness and who is one of the biggest leaders in the world of mindfulness. And he says, you know, but still each one of us, when it comes down to it, when we face our partner, that's when we see the parts of ourselves that still need work. And mm-hmm. if we are in this world, Ashley, for self-mastery, Mm-hmm. And this is really what I want to say. You know, if we really want to reach our greatest self, then then marriage is the way. Yeah, I believe it. What a vehicle. It feels like... Unbelievable. Yeah. I actually think about even starting a business, like my successes, my failures, it forces you to grow and, and face situations sometimes that I just never would have forced, faced otherwise. And like, it corners me into like a choice all the time of like, do I rise up with this or do I fall apart with it? And I feel like relationships are similar oddly in that way. And, you know, I... I want to ask you about, I can't let you go without asking you about money because I know that you talk about the spender saver. That was the first one you mentioned on your list of 10 and whether it has emphasis or not. I know that people fight about money. It's cited in research as one of the top reasons why people divorce. Um, where do you draw the line with this? Is it like everything else of where can I stretch myself and still be me? Is the other person receptive? What wisdom do you have around that spender saver dynamic? Yeah, it's a it's a big one. Uh, and and again, most couples have a spender and a saver. Mm-hmm. And the idea here is, if two spenders get married, there's an obvious problem. And if two savers get married, you know, it comes back to the business. If you're going to hire one person, or you're going to hire someone you you know could do exactly what you could do, or someone who could do other things. So again maturity means that we learn to negotiate that we realize that we have a way of seeing things but it's there's another way of seeing things it's the binoculars okay we have our side and there's another side and if we're looking for a, a balanced relationship a balanced life you know if you think about kids you know kids are growing up with two spender parents this mm-hmm. is going to be something a little off there. Mm-hmm. Kids are growing up with two savers, right? They're going to be choked. Mm-hmm. So the best thing for a kid is to have a spender and a saver who are not fighting, but are rather trying to figure out how they can each use their strength for the better of the couple and the family. Mm-hmm. So it comes back to maturity, right? How are we looking at these differences as, oh, I can't believe he doesn't think like I do, or... Hmm. What am I supposed to learn from this other kind of way of thinking? How can we come towards each other? And again, not lose ourselves. How can we come towards each other and and really learn from each other rather than you know make this into a tug of war? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so that is that again is the maturity. And I, and I always say that you know a marriage has three stages. It's the romantic stage, which is like oh yeah you know the beginning everything's so easy, and then there's the power struggle mm-hmm. stage, which every couple has to go through. Oh. That power struggle is you know when we come off the high, it's like oh you you're not exactly like you don't see, you know, and then I have to change you to be like me, think like me. And when we, when we learn how to appreciate the differences and, and dance with the differences, that's when we get through the power struggle into the true love, into the synergy. And that is, that's, that's so exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a tremendous reward. Mm, I love this. And, you know, the power struggle, I think a lot of people, 
stay stuck in it. Do you believe that that happens? Like, where's the line where like, (laughs) this is a bad match. They're not going to grow. Like, I know some couples that like their whole relationship is a, is a damn power struggle and that's all good, but it sounds like a bummer when I zoom out and look at it for them. Is that just mean that they're not compatible or that they're not mature enough for each other? Like how do you interpret a nonstop power struggle? So again, remember mature maturity means learning how to deal with differences. Mm. So it, you know, what happens when we hit the power struggle, all of us want to go back to the romantic stage where to go. Hey, wait a minute. What? Well, it was so easy. You know, what's going mm-hmm. on? This shouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. No maturity means, Oh, this is the next stage. I can only get to true love by maturing through this stage. Now, yes, people can stay in the power struggle and people get divorced when they stick in the power struggle or they just have horrible marriages. So the power struggle is just our ego getting in the way of learning to appreciate the differences of seeing the other person as a valid person. And, uh, and again, it's, it's, we can do it. Mm-hmm. We, we can do it if we understand that the power struggle is just, it's, it's okay. It's normal. And then we don't have to stay there if we learn tools. That's why it's so important that you're doing this podcast because people need to learn about marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, people need to learn that there are tools. Yeah. Right? That's, that's, uh, it's a, it's a lot of, of, of also what I do with my couples when they, when they come into my office, say, hey, these, this is normal. Let's, let's get some tools. Mm-hmm. Right. The only time when I say the couple is not, they're not going to make it is, you know, if one of them has a serious mental illness and they're not getting help or they, they're not taking their meds or something, or one of them's an addict and they're not working on their addiction. And then there's like, there's no one showing up on the other side. Mm. And, you know, that's, that's when, you know, they're really, you know, that's when you realize, okay, like there's nothing to work with here, Uh. but power struggles, that's, that's, that's the fun stuff. It's like, okay, so what do we do now? Fun for you, Hana. You know, our ego is is a wonderful part of ourselves that we need to learn how to deal with. Yeah, totally. I I went through one power struggle with William as my partner and um it was around when to move in together and it lasted about 4 months and ever since we've learned how to navigate conflict in a completely better <laughs> way, which has been huge, but it was a really scary experience because it was such a power struggle. We were so in disconnect about when to move in together, why to move in together, all of that. He comes from a Middle Eastern culture with a lot of rules that I don't even think he totally believes. You know, I come from like an individualistic culture. I'm a feelings-based decision maker of let's do it. The party feels great. Um, And we went through this power struggle. And so uh, what message would you have for anybody who is like in the thick of a power struggle with their partner right now? And they're starting to have doubts. Like, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. I want to throw in the towel. What do you need them to know about these power struggles? Well, first of all, I love your story with William. I love that you shared that. (laughs) That's beautiful. Poor That's William. Funny. He's like the right. sacrificial lamb of U-Turn podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a lucky guy. I love him. Yeah, I'm a lucky girl. He's the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now in terms of 
the power struggle. Uh, I would just say a few things. If we're dealing with somebody who is so stubborn that they can't budge and they are always right and they're like a serious narcissistic and not only with us but with everybody else in their life, that's an objective red flag. Mm. Okay. So if the people are dating, probably better to move on to someone else. Okay. Mm-hmm. People are married, then they need to go for help and to figure out what to do with that situation. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people think they're with a narcissist because they themselves are are being narcissistic. Oh, shit. (laughs) That's a slippery one where they think they are never going to do what I want, but it's because they always want Uh, everything their way. Oh, no. That's a dark one. Okay. Got it. (laughs) So, so, you know, this comes back to each one of us has to be learning to, to regulate ourselves emotionally. Each one of us needs tools to be able to deal with our own ego. Mm. And whether it's meditation, exercise, prayer, you know, whatever it is, uh, EFT tapping, EMDR, there's all sorts of so many, many, many tools. Yoga. Um, each one of us needs ways to deal with our stuff, with our ego, with our anger, with our jealousy. And um, it's only when we are dealing with ourselves that we can show up in the power struggle and, 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 and you know, just own our, our part of it. Yeah. Okay. So this actually brings up a question, but I don't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So what about, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I think some people might have a thing, like, for example, with me. I love decorating. I'm very poetic. I'm writing books all the time, like books, articles, whatever I'm writing all the time. My environment really influences me the way it's decorated. It needs to be minimal. I can't think when there's stuff everywhere, that kind of a thing. So that kind of goes to your organized, not organized um, distinction. But William would kind of weigh in on decorating, for example. So I think a lot of people have this kind of a thing where he's like, well, I don't know about that chair. And we finally kind of got to a conclusion of like, I care about decorating like a 10 out of 10. Like I just super care about it. And he actually is kind of like a five out of 10 about it. Like, eh, I, I kind of want you to want what chair I want, but I don't really care like the way it's affecting you. Is there a time where a couple just needs to like look at it and say, all right, it's time for this one to go keel over and give up on this one because the other one just <laughs> cares too much? Of course. I mean, that's part of what I mean by negotiating differences. Yeah. But again, if if one side keeps keeling over, that's going to seriously, you know, that's, that's, that's an issue. Okay. All right. But you'll look at couples and you'll notice something that most couples, one partner is more flexible than the other. Mm. Mm. Two stubborn people never last. Yeah, I believe it. Ever, ever, ever. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So you typically find that the more flexible partner makes the more concessions. Mm-hmm. Okay, it only becomes really problematic if they're making all the concessions, mm. or they're just both so lost in the relationship that they are doing the same things, and they're so flexible with each other. There's nobody, nobody starts or ends anywhere, which I've seen before as well. Yes. Yes. Um, of course. That's the flip side of that. I know. I'm like sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, I have an interview after this with indeed.com, the job hunting site. And I'm like, how am I going to get out of this mode and get into job hunting? This is such a great <laughs> conversation. 
conversation. I'm going to have to have you back, Mona, if you're game for it. And I, I'd love to. I'd love yeah, it, yeah, this was so valuable. I'm really excited for everybody. Um, for those of you who took the notes, um, you know, I went through those 10 distinctions, but you can get her book, um, That's Why I Married You, or also uh, I Only Want to Get Married Once. Uh, Hannah, where else can people find you, keep learning from you, and can they even work with you? Of course, of course. Uh, it's really easy to find me online. I've got a website, www.channalevitan.com. I mean, I'm Hannah, but the, I read it Channa. And uh, I'm on Facebook, YouTube channel. I've uh, got lots of really important videos up there where I interview couples in good marriages and they share their challenges and how they push through to true love, right? So really, really important videos. And working with me, I'd love to to hear from, from your all of your listeners who would like some guidance in dating or in marriage. I am so passionate about what I do. And I really um, love working with people and helping people to reach their love potential. Beautiful. Thank you again for being here. Thank you. Thanks, Ashley. You're doing great service. <laughs> It's Ash here, and I am just reflecting on the episode with Hannah Lavatan. I absolutely loved having her. I just found all of her work to be really scintillating to listen to, all of the distinctions and variations that she found. And I want to just add more value, even more, after this episode by sharing with you some key information that I've been reading in the newest book I've kind of picked up called Hold Me Tight by Sue Johnson. And I brought this book up also in the episode with Annie Lala. And I wanted to share, uh, Sue Johnson, who wrote the book, created a field of therapy called Emotionally Focused Couples Therapy. And she, her goal with creating this therapy is to help couples reconnect. And she talks about three different patterns that couples get in and she calls them demon dialogues. And the three kinds of patterns are referred to as the find the bad guy, the protest polka, the freeze and flee. Um, so I'll start off by telling you a little bit about the protest polka. That really happens when one partner just becomes critical and aggressive while the other one becomes defensive and distant. So researcher John Gottman found that couples who get into this pattern early into their marriage have an 80% chance of divorce within five years. So an example of this can be like maybe you come home from work and you find the dishes haven't been washed and you turn to your partner and you say, why don't you ever wash the dishes? I work all day. You don't seem to care that I like a clean house. It's this um, constant criticism that is going on in the protest polka. And a lot of Susan Johnson's work is rooted in the attachment styles and how different styles of attachment uh, cause different sort of reactions uh, amongst each other. And there's a book called Attached by Amir Levine that goes deeply into attachment, and it's such a powerful book. Um, the focus of the protest polka is to figure out who's at fault. So, you know, a lot of the time the couple is focusing on factual content and they're getting more caught up in who's at fault versus looking at what's under the frustration or what's under it for them. Um, so, I mean, just really, really, really important to kind of take a look at this. Um, beyond the protest polka, the idea of find the bad guy Um this is a constant mutual blame that drives partners to separate corners of their relationship where they're constantly in accusation with each other. This pattern kind of keeps them at arm's length and um, 
this is a really hard cycle to maintain over an extended period because it's just constant blame. And then the other one is freeze and flee. This is the most damaging pattern. This is when both partners withdraw completely emotionally. And this is the most dangerous pattern for a relationship. So uh, if you notice that you or your partner is checking out, the most damaging thing you could do for your relationship is to check out as well. Um, that is the most hopeless pattern that Sue Johnson talks about in Hold Me Tight. So I'm curious, do you, do you recognize any of these patterns in your relationship or maybe in the relationships you've been in? And, and then maybe you can ask yourself, how did you contribute to this pattern? Because I think, you know, ultimately we all have to take responsibility for our roles in, you know, how our relationships aren't working. And, you know, all of these patterns are so different, but also, um, remember the protest polka all about like criticism and, uh, responding to it and being defensive. And then the other one, find the ba bad guy all about self-protection, um, which is all about mutual attack and blame. And then obviously freeze and flee, which is two people checking out. So hope this was helpful for you. Um, highly recommend Hannah Levitan's book. That's why I married you. And also hold me tight by Sue Johnson. If you're doing deep dives on love right now, and, um, just so honored you're listening to the podcast and sending you lots of love. listening to this week's episode of the U-Turn podcast. If any of our guests mention any resource that you're interested in, you can head on over to ashleystall.com and press the podcast tab to see any show notes. It's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com. On that page, you're also going to see our brand new free quiz helping you discover which career path you're actually meant for. It's followed by tons of content-packed emails about your personality in the workforce and of of course, we just can't thank you enough for your written reviews. These reviews mean a lot for our show to keep getting out there. So if you ever send me a DM on the gram, and I'm so grateful that you have, I would love it if you would copy and paste that into the podcast app of your smartphone as a written review. It would mean so much for us over here at the show. Thanks again for being here, and I can't wait to connect with you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. 
As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.